Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is John Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. All right, everybody, welcome once again to another episode of The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. I am your host, Richard Holdridge, happy to be here on this Tuesday. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key, out of Noonan, Georgia. And we are brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Go Jump and Slide Inflatables, and Backwoods Barbecue. Wow, we have three sponsors. That's pretty cool. And this is episode 392, getting closer to 400, on this June the 7th, 2022. I kind of got in a little rant yesterday about somebody that I got into an argument with on Twitter. And I just want to let everybody know that it's all good. Not really going to rant about anything going on today. I do have some show prep I want to talk about. I'm going to do the show a little bit later in the afternoon because of the show prep that I've done. First of all, later tonight, LaGrange College, they return from Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and what a great job they had. They unfortunately fell to Eastern Connecticut State 8-1 to in the Final Four on their side of the bracket of the D3 College World Series. They were able to win two games. They beat Trinity on Friday, and they turned around and beat Trinity on Sunday 15-3 to to take on Eastern Connecticut State, which was the number one team in all of the land. This is the furthest that LaGrange College has ever reached in school history. They overcame tragedy. The community of LaGrange came together with the healing, and they rallied around this team, so congratulate them when they come back they're going to have a ceremony tonight at 9 30 at cleveland field at williamson stadium so come on out and just congratulate the lagrange baseball team the super regionals are set in college baseball 16 teams remain who will make it to the college world series and we have a women's college world series final between two big time rivalries it's the red river shootout revisited as oklahoma taking on Texas. And I'm also going to talk about the Columbus Chattahoots. They fell to the Gainesville Gold Diggers. So the Stanley Cup update, the Colorado Avalanche sweep the Edmonton Oilers to reach the Stanley Cup finals for the first time since 2001 when they won it all in that classic Game 7 against the New Jersey Devils. Colorado really hasn't done much in the last couple of decades. And so they await the winner of the New York Rangers and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Game 4 tonight, Tampa Bay is down 2-1. to one against the New York Rangers as the Rangers trying to make it to the Stanley Cup for the first time since 2014. Last time the New York Rangers won the entire Stanley Cup, well, they made a 30 for 30 about it. They won it in 1994. Of course, that 30 for 30 was about OJ, but all the events that were happening in that day 
the New York Rangers was one of those events. So much stuff to get into. I'm going to talk about the College Football Hall of Fame. Quinn Snyder is out as Jazz head coach. Is the dynasty, if you want to call it a dynasty, is it over in Utah? Is that tandem of Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell going to break up? So much to get into, including the USFL. I did not talk about them. I'm going to talk a little bit about high school football as I saw the latest Rivals.com rankings for your high school players in Alabama, and where is Arch Manning going to go? I think he has narrowed it down to three schools. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the Super Regionals coming up for college baseball. Auburn, no problem against UCLA as they awaited the winner of Vanderbilt in Oregon State. Oregon State gets the victory, so now Auburn has to travel to Corvallis, Oregon to take on Oregon State. So here's what's on tap on Friday. The Super Regionals, you have Texas and East Carolina. You have Oklahoma and Virginia Tech. Notre Dame taking on the number one ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Louisville taking on Texas A&M. Ooh, a lot of SEC teams and future SEC teams in the Super Regionals. Saturday, you got Arkansas and North Carolina. Ole Miss and Southern Miss. Auburn taking on Oregon State, and UConn taking on Stanford. That kind of looks more like a women's college basketball game. That's a great matchup. And then I want to talk about Oklahoma taking on Texas in the Women's College Softball World Series. The Red River Rivalry. That is going to be a great matchup for Oklahoma and Texas. So the Columbus Chattahoots, they fell to the Gainesville Gold Diggers. 4-3, the Hoots rallied, but they fell short. Connor O'Neill with the run batted in. Columbus is now 1-2 on the season. They will take on Gainesville this Wednesday. And you can listen to the game on WQEE 99.1 FM as Zach DeBozart will be bringing play-by-play. I know he does a great job with that. And someday I would love to be in the booth with him to call color commentating for the Columbus Chattahoots. So the strategy is to cover the Chattahoots as much as I can. I had the manager, Steve Smith, on. I've had Scott Brand, the general manager, on. I have so much knowledge about the Chattahoots. I'm leaving the option open. If they ever need an announcer to help out Zach DeBozart, I have made myself available. I have called baseball in college. It's been a dream of mine to call play-by-play or color for baseball. And I'm really looking forward to this two-game series this Friday and Saturday. Of course, I have a Lions game on Friday night. It's military night as the Columbus Lions are taking on the Carolina Cobras. But the Columbus Chattahoots are taking on the Gwinnett Astros for a two-game series this Friday and Saturday night. There was a lot of people at Historic Golden Park. Hopefully, we'll have another Big home crowd at Historic Golden Park. The NBA Finals are really spread out. You know, it's a great series, but we've only had 8 million viewers. That just tells you that football is still king. The lowest rated NFL game when it came to a playoff game was, had 23 million viewers. So I'm interested about that. Hey, guess what? I've got a surprise. I've got Jared Dillard on the show today. We are going to talk everything about Columbus Lions. We're going to preview that upcoming matchup against the Carolina Cobras. So you don't want to miss it. Stick around for that. Oh, boy. Deshaun Watson in more legal trouble. 
is he even going to play this year? So that we have 24 women, 24 allegations. I don't think Deshaun Watson is playing this year. And maybe the Cleveland Browns might want to hold on to Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying. I know they have Jacoby Brissett. But I know it's June. We're talking about mandatory mini camps. Debo Samuel has made it to mandatory mini camp for the San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo has been excused from mini camp. And it looks like he will be traded, which means that Trey Lance is the guy in San Francisco. Quinn Snyder is out as Utah Jazz head coach. Is the dynasty over in Utah? They were a very good team with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. That duo was supposed to win championships. They were the number one seed last year. I don't know how they got it done. But the small media market size of Utah and the glory days of Stockton and Malone just wasn't enough to get the job done in Utah. So Quinn Snyder, who is a very good coach, is out at Utah. So is the dynasty over? All right, we do have some finalists for the College Football Hall of Fame. And there is no doubt in my mind that Tim Tebow is going to make the College Football Hall of Fame. D'Angelo Williams is another candidate. I had the privilege of watching him when I was living in Memphis. I watched him his senior season, just ran all over UAB at the Liberty Bowl. He rushed for over 200 yards, and they were holding up signs in the stands. D'Angelo for Heisman. He had a great collegiate career. D'Angelo Williams, nominee for the College Football Hall of Fame. Mark Rick, also a, a nominee for the College Football Hall of Fame, and rightfully so. Had a great, great career at Georgia. Took over for Jim Donnan in 2000. He had a better winning percentage than Vince Dooley at one time. I know that Georgia's been spoiled with Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart just took it to another level. Mark Rick was still a great head coach. Led Georgia to 10 wins just about every year. So rightfully so, he should be a nominee for the Hall of Fame and really should be recognized for his work at Florida State as the offensive coordinator as well. So congratulations to Mark Rick. Hopefully he gets into the College Football Hall of Fame, which I have yet to visit the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta. I have got to find a way to get to Atlanta and go visit the College Football Hall of Fame. Yep, it's been around for, what, seven years? And I haven't gone? Oh, I'm excited about having Jared Dillard on the show. But before I do, USFL, the Birmingham Stallions are the best team in the USFL. 8-0 after defeating the New Orleans Breakers 10-9. They got that running back from the University of Alabama, Bo Scarborough, and their defense is leading the way. But the New Jersey Generals are 7-1 on the season with seven straight games led by their running back, Darius Victor. So what is going to happen? Who's going to give? It's a collision course for the USFL championship between Birmingham and New Jersey. The playoffs do start in three weeks. Turpin, for the New Jersey Generals, leads all receivers with 444 yards. I got to tell you, Jordan Tamu has been the most impressive quarterback out of the USFL, plays for the Tampa Bay Bandits. And he's having a great season. Just a couple things to talk about here about local sports in Columbus. Just a reminder, USA Softball will have some exhibition games July the 4th at the Commons Softball Complex. Might want to check that out if you're in the area. Of course, the Columbus Chattahoots have a two-game series on the 1st and the 2nd during the 4th of July weekend as they will take on the Brookhaven Bucks. And I'm going to talk a little bit about high school football. Because right now, 
I went on Rivals.com just to preview some of the top players in the Chattahoochee Valley. And there's no question, right now, the top-ranked recruit in the state of Alabama plays right here in Phoenix City for the Central Red Devils. That's quarterback A.J. Harris. You also have a four-star wide receiver, Carmelo English. They are going to lead Central back to a playoff berth and make a run for the state title. Central won the state title in 2018, came up short in 2021, losing to Thompson that has won three straight state titles. Of course, I am the play-by-play announcer for Russell County High Football, and Russell County has a three-star running back, Drew Pickett. According to Rivals.com, he is already verbally committed to Wake Forest. Oh, he's going to be something special. It is going to be great to call his number. He's changed his number. He was number four last year. He's number zero this year. In the spring game, he did not see a whole lot of action. Oh, but Russell County is going to look great this season. Hopefully, I'll have head coach Dylan Griggs on the podcast and we could talk about Russell County football as they will take on Harris County August the 26th. I will have my high school preview show because we do have some games the weekend of August 19th and 20th. There is a lot of games to cover. Not all the high schools are going to be in action that week. We have some matchups like Smith Station taking on LaGrange. We have Troop County taking on Harris County. And of course we have Central taking on Hewitt Trustville. I'm really looking forward to having some key players in the industry on this podcast talking about high school football as well. So Tiger Woods skips the U.S. Open. He's trying to focus on his body, trying to get healthy. And he actually withdrew in the PGA Championship after shooting the worst round of his golfing career, shot a 79. So he's not going to play in the U.S. Open. He's trying to get healthy. So he could be ready for the Open Championship, which is in July. I always talk about how July is a very slow sports month. The run-on joke is one of the reasons why I got married in July. There was hardly any sports. I did get married the weekend of the Open Championship, which is really the British Open. But it's called the Open Championship. Those games... The tee times, you know, watching golf at four in the morning, it, you know, if you're a golf fan, you love it. Speaking of golf, love seeing Columbus River Dragons hockey player Jay Krupp out on the links. He was playing some golf, and that's great that he can have some well-deserved time off as the Columbus River Dragons schedule is out for the 2022 2023 season and their first game is october 21st against the elmira mammoth remember three new teams in the federal prospects hockey league this year you got the elmira mammoth the mississippi sea wolves out of biloxi mississippi and the motor city rockers so you have a minor league hockey team right there in detroit for pretty much detroit red wings fans who want to just go see minor league hockey it's great that they have the motor city rockers And their first home game will be November 11th at the Columbus Civic Center against the defending Commissioner Cup champions, the Watertown Wolves. It is payback time for Columbus, a rematch of the Federal Prospects Commissioner's Cup final. And that is going to be a great time to be out at the Columbus Civic Center and see a lot of new faces. But the River Dragons still have some familiar players like Austin Doe, Josh Pietrantonio, and Jagger Williamson. He came on as of late. 
they did lose some players to the expansion draft, but they are going to have some players back. Hopefully I'll get some River Dragons here on the podcast. Jerome Boom Boom Burchard is back at coach. And I know I've had Jay Krupp on the podcast and just got to reach out. I, I ran into MJ Graham at the Chattahoots game this past weekend. Just shook his hand, congratulated him on a wonderful season. And it's just great to build that relationship with coaches and athletes and media personnel here in the Chattahoochee Valley because I'm here to stay. I'm here to call sports. And that has always been a goal of mine. And as long as I'm living in Columbus, I'm going to do my best to try to get on the air calling just about anything. With that being said, it's time to bring Jared on the show. Stick around. We'll be right back with Jared Dillard, the voice of the Columbus Lions. Yeah! Stick around. Welcome back to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Just a reminder that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. And we are also brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar and Grill. Go Jump and Slide Inflatables and Backwoods Barbecue for all your barbecue catering needs. So I have the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus Lions, Jared Dillard. You know, Jared, uh, I really appreciated you helping me out last week on my other podcast, but we've got a podcast to do for the Columbus Lions. Uh, Let's go ahead and let's get it started. Yeah, uh, the Lions went down to Orlando and... You know, we talked about not only on the broadcast, but on the podcast as well. The Lions getting out to slow starts, and this was no different. The Predators jumped out to a quick lead at the end of the first quarter. It was 20-6. to And while the Lions did outscore them 23-7 to in the second half, it just wasn't enough. And the Lions fell to the Predators 48-44 to on the road, falling to 2-3 and on the season. I got to say, a big props to Rodney Hall, the DB for the Columbus Lions, who not only got a pick six, but he got a kick six. When Orlando was up 20 to six, they were getting ready to strike again. They could have easily put this game away, but Rodney Hall with the pick six. And then on a field goal attempt, Orlando gave up a kick six. And I know that the difference in the game was when Raheem Cato went out. Uh, Fulford came in for Orlando and you got to have the quarterback in this league. I mean, Fulford did sustain some drives. They just couldn't score points and hats off to the Lions defense for holding Orlando to just seven points in the second half. Yeah, it was kind of reminiscent of their whole empire game, right? So the empire, one of the best offenses in the league, come in to the Lions den and the Columbus Lions kept them in check. And not only that, one of the best players in the league in Darius Prince, only one reception for one touchdown, uh, but they kept them in check. That was uh, missing a little bit in that first half. And I think that the team was just kind of shell-shocked once again by that first quarter, but they definitely came together in the second half and, and put on a great showing. So the Lions have played, I would say, six out of eight good quarters of defense in the last two games. It's just when it mattered the most toward the end, the offense wasn't come able to wasn't able to come up with drives to get them to big wins. Well, the Orlando announcer said it best. Uh, the Lions do have the best defense in the NAL. Would you agree? I would agree with that, especially with the last two weeks. Um, it was always going to be tough to figure out who has the best offense or defense in the first couple of weeks with so much changeover with the new rules. Um, but just like last year, the Lions are slowly emerging 
as that best defense. So give a shout out to not only the Lions defense, but to first year defensive coordinator Damian Daniels, who came in kind of not at the stopgap, but came in late into you know the season, uh, right before it started. And he's definitely had time to grow with this team. They're getting better each and every week. Uh, they just need a little bit of help in that offense for the Lions to turn this around. And you got to wonder, I mean, the turnover that the Lions have had to start the season. First, Mason Espinoza leaves, and then Darren Daniel gets injured. Danny Southwick comes in. He gets injured. They even had Jarmon Fortson in at quarterback. This uncertainty and really the Lions haven't been healthy. And I think that we all know that Darren Daniel is not 100%. He's not able to maneuver in the pocket. He's obviously playing at 70, 80%, but even a 70 to 80% Darren Daniel, he's able to throw the football. He just can't move around in the pocket like he would like. And I know that he's trying to get healthy. Hopefully he is rehabbing that injury and that we should see a healthy Darren Daniel, hopefully for military night this Friday night against the Carolina Cobras, the best team in the league. Yeah, it's been some tough turnovers for the Lions uh, with Espinoza. Uh, they recently had Malik Brewer on the offensive defensive line go on to a long-term injury reserve. So the offensive line kind of had a couple of holes in it. So you've seen a couple of people bounce around. I can tell you that the Lions have signed a new quarterback in Tommy Neely, 6'2", 205, rookie out of Miles College, signed him on June 6th. So there is a third quarterback on the roster. What does that mean for Darren Daniel or Danny Southwick? on the roster, time will tell. Uh, but there is a third quarterback maybe coming in as, uh, you know, as the two quarterbacks the Lions have currently are nursing a couple of injuries. So as we look forward to this game on Friday, the only game this Friday between the Cobras and the Lions, as the Empire and Gunslingers will play on Saturday at 2, while the Predators and Sharks will play Saturday at 7. So they're spreading these games out this week. Uh, Lions and Cobras at 7. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm a broken record at this point when I keep saying this, but it's it's really going to be the first quarter. The first quarter is going to decide this game because if the Lions don't come out the gate firing, then they're going to get behind, and their defense will you know stand up and get stops. However, their offense won't be able to catch up unless they have this miracle comeback. Uh, so really, the first quarter is going to set the tone. If the Lions can come out and fire on all cylinders in the first quarter, they'll be in the ballgame. Oh, I absolutely agree with you 100%. This Friday night, of course, a very busy weekend for Columbus sports. The Chattahoots have a two-game series and, you know, hopefully we'll see a lot of fans out there. I know that this morning at Fort Benning, they were giving out a lot of tickets to military personnel. They could get four free tickets with their ID. So hopefully that will be a packed house as they are dubbing it Operation Full House. That is, and of course, you know, the festivities, the pregame, the tailgate. Hopefully we'll have the Lions fans out there early and that the bouncy houses from Go Jump and Slide. I mean, it's a Friday night. I mean, school's out for the kids. I mean, what better place would you want to be than the Columbus Civic Center this Friday night as Columbus takes on Carolina? Now, I could understand we have Memorial Day weekend and we probably didn't have the amount of fans we wanted to against Albany. But in the next couple of weeks, the Lions have a very important home stretch. 
against Carolina on the 10th, and then against Jacksonville for the final time in the regular season on the 17th. Now, Jared, right now, if you look at the standings with Carolina at six and one, Albany is at four and two. You got Orlando at three and three, Jacksonville at three and four. Percentage points wise, Columbus is Jacksonville is ahead of them percentage points wise. And of course, San Antonio's 0 and four. Right now, Columbus is in fifth place and they would be out of the playoffs if the season ended today. Yeah, they're definitely in a precarious position right now. Uh, it's a position that the Lions didn't find themselves in last year. Uh, they had a pretty solid season last year. But it's almost reminiscent of the 2019 campaign before COVID hit. Uh, the Lions ended up getting fourth. They went six and eight, got fourth in the league. And it was a, it was a year where it was always the what ifs. So that was a year where the kicking game wasn't up to snuff. And that was a year where there was a lot of like quarterback rotation going in and out. And it's kind of the same thing now, right? The kicking game, uh, Erickson had a much better game uh, down in Orlando this past week. But once again, the quarterback situation, kind of a toss-up. You got Darren Daniel, but he's nursing a knee injury. Danny South, we haven't seen him since he went down with his own injury. New quarterback and Tommy Neely on the roster from Miles College. Uh, they're in a very precarious position, and they're not – they don't have the – easiest of schedule in the next couple of weeks because you have Carolina, the best team in the league, coming to your house, which is favorable. But then the following week, you have another home game, and it's against the Jacksonville Sharks. Yes, three and four, but they're finding the rhythm at the right time. And not only that, that is your arrival. So I would say the biggest thing right now for the Lions is that they had military appreciation night on their side. I can say for the last couple of years, military appreciation night, has always been the best night for attendance. So expect the Columbus Civic Center to be the loudest and most packed out it's ever been. And then the following week against Jacksonville, the crowd usually always shows up for Jacksonville. That is Columbus's rival. Uh, no matter what happens, you know, thunderstorm, rainstorm, hail sheet, you know, the earth's crust could crack open. The fans will be there for the Columbus Lions to take on the Jacksonville Sharks. These are must-win games, very important games, because then the Lions will go on the road and they will have to take on Carolina and Albany before they come back home to take on the San Antonio Gunslingers on July the 8th. I believe it's July the 8th. I'll have to check out the schedule, but if I don't see it, I will edit this out. So, Jared, you know, being up in the booth and, uh, you know, being the, your color guy, call him play-by-play, you know the ins and outs of this Columbus Lions team and what they are built off of and coach Gibson really has in it has preached just discipline with his team he is one of the best coaches in the NAL and he is the perfect coach for the new Ironman rules I feel like if they are able to figure out their offense because we all know that defense wins championships Mm-hmm. If they if they could just figure out the offense and score a lot more points than they can, I think game is going to figure itself out. I think Erickson, you know, he had a deuce against Orlando. You know, he's going to start getting his confidence in the kicking game. We won't have to worry. We know that the Columbus Lions will figure things out because they do have the key personnel in place. They just got to get healthy because I still think that, you know, Jarmon Ford getting a big-time clutch third down or fourth down play, Jarman Fortson is going to come up with the football. He somehow, some way, 
he is going to find a way to make a reception. I also think Desmond Reese had a very good game against Albany. He's been the speedster on the outside. Darian Townsend, I mean, the most dangerous kickoff returner in the league. And you got to watch out for these players. I think that Brown has stepped up. He's a physical, tall, wide receiver. And you can't forget about Kerry Starks in the slot. I think this Lions team is going to be, like Coach Gibson said, I mean, we know what this league is about. We know that these teams are vulnerable. Carolina did lose to Jacksonville. Uh, even though they have the best record of the NAL, they still are vulnerable. But there's so much parity. All these teams, we saw Orlando. I mean, they came in. Lions played them, and Orlando was 2-3. and three. But Orlando showed that with the right quarterback, Rakeem Cato was putting on a scoring barrage with 48 points. But I think that the Columbus Lions will figure it out. I mean, I know they're two and three, but it's a long season. We're not even to the halfway point. Yeah, no, it's a long season. And a lot of people are going to go back at that Albany and Orlando game and say, you know, if the quarterback was healthy or if this play went our way or this or that, the Columbus Lions are looking at uh, four and one instead of two and three. Well, you can't go back and change that. What you can look at is that, The next four games, three out of the four teams that you're going to play in the next four weeks are one or two in the standings right now. You got Carolina twice. You got Albany. And then the other game is your rival. So it's it's definitely going to be imperative that the Lions figure something out. Uh, They have to take at least two games in the next crucial four-game stretch that's coming up. If they don't, they'll definitely find themselves in a tough position because I think Jacksonville is starting to find their stride uh, here in the NAL. And Orlando is going to fight and hang around just like they did last year. Uh, give credit to the Predators. It's been a tough road from them for the last couple of years, but I think they, they finally have found their, their – they finally found what made the Predators the Predators of indoor football. And they're sitting at three and three, third in the league right now, trying to sniff their way to second against the Empire. Well, let's talk about that game because Orlando had two plays in that first half where they were just wow plays. I can't believe that just happened. You know what I'm talking about, Jared? The Clarence Williams uh, turnaround. I thought he was going to be tackled in the backfield, and he he yeah, changes positions. Person. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, he changes positions. He turns upfield and puts on the the gas and he goes right into the end zone for a touchdown. That was supposed to be a loss on the play. And then right before the half, there was like six seconds left to go. And Cato steps back and throws a hail Mary into the end zone. And Orlando takes a 41, 21 lead into halftime with the ball to start the second half, two big plays for Orlando. I wouldn't say it flipped momentum because Rodney Hall with, with his kick six and pick six, really kept the Lions into this game. And the Lions only lost 48 to 44. Twice they had a chance to take the lead with minutes to go left in the game. I mean, yeah, it's going to come back to, uh, like Coach Gibson's talked about, uh, special teams will win you or lose you the game. So in that situation, the Rodney Hall kick six, uh, getting a couple more deuces, those are going to keep you in ball games. They can also win you them or lose you them. Um, and then on top of that, it's just finding a more consistent offense. 
we know that Darren Daniels going out there pretty much on one leg, leading this team to 44 points. If he was healthy, you could probably add probably about another 10 to 12 points on the board if you have a healthy quarterback. Um, that, that's really what it comes down to. The Lions have the weapons. Fortune leading the team, 284 yards, nine touchdowns right behind him. Is Townsend, 228 yards, five touchdowns. And like you said, DeAndre Brown's coming along. We talked about how he's such a big body that you would think that he would be more disrupt, uh, disruptive uh, in the game, and he has been. Uh, five receptions, 74 yards, still looking for his first touchdown. But also keep in mind that DeAndre Brown's been playing a lot more on the defense side of the ball. He has two sacks in the year as he's lining up on that left-end edge. Uh, so th- there are a lot of playmakers here for the Columbus Lions. They just got to get it all together to gel for four quarters. If the Lions can play a complete four quarters like they've had on the defense side of the ball and transition that to offense, they will be an unstoppable team. Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, they are just – they just got to find the right mix. and It all has to come together. So this Friday against Carolina, they have got to find a way to stop Jonathan Bain. So, Jared, uh, your th- your final thoughts before we close on uh, this upcoming uh, game against Carolina. I think the Columbus Lions have a real shot. Uh, it's a, it's a primetime game, Friday night, military appreciation night. They're the only game for the National Arena League that's going to be on. So all eyes will be on the Lions. For fans that, you know, are fans of the Cobras or fans of the other couple teams in the league, they're going to look at this game. Cobras on the road. Lions have lost the last couple, uh, last three in a row, and say, yeah, this probably going to the Cobras. The Lions have a real shot at winning this game. They just got to come out in the first quarter and execute their game plan. On the defense side of the ball, keep being smart. We know that Coach Gibson talked about how one thing he wanted to do against Albany, and I think it worked very well, was to throw schemes at the quarterback to confuse them, make them think. And that slowed down the offense. They shut down Darius Prince, and they shut down that explosive Albany offense. He's probably going to, want to do the same thing here again with the Carolina Cobras. Explosive offense, a lot of playmakers banging that quarterback. Throw a lot of coverages at him. Make him second guess. Try to get that pressure from the offensive line, uh, from Thorpe. Woods, Davenport, Claiborne, Brown, try to get them pressure, Washington. Uh, defense got to step up. Offense definitely has to show out and show up in big moments for the Lions to win this game on military appreciation night. It is going to be great. The first thousand fans will get a rally towel. Uh, Jerry, we got to make sure we get there so we can get our rally towel. <laughs> <laughs> no, as always, just a great podcast. Um, you know, every week we just cover the Columbus Lions. I mean, I was glued to the TV Friday night watching the Lions and the Orlando Predators, just uh, studying the film, studying the game and everything. Yeah, we're, we're heartbroken. They lost 48 to 44, but just a great effort by the Lions to come back. They were down 48 28, and they almost came back and they had a chance to win the game, the last two possessions they had. Yeah, it's, it's a game of inches, and the Lions know that the best in the last two weeks against Albany. They lost by eight, and then on the road to Orlando, losing by four. All right, as always, Jared Dillard, the voice of the Columbus Lions, thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the Lions Den. Stay tuned for next week's episode as we recap the game against the Carolina Cobras. Hope everybody has a great rest of your day, and enjoy the game Friday. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. 
we invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.